Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ryan D. Leaf Show, the RDL Show. Thanks for spending your Monday with us. Uh, Sky Guasco will be joining me a little bit. You can Join us at Instagram and Twitter at RDL Show and subscribe to the Ryan Dealey Show on YouTube at any time. Listen via podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Again, follow us, hashtag RDL Show on Twitter and Instagram at the RDL Show. Thanks for being here with us. I hope you guys had a lovely weekend. Uh, I'm going to be hosting the Rich Eisen Show tomorrow. So anybody who wants to check in on that from 9 to noon Pacific. Rich is going to be out tomorrow, so we're going to be talking um, a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about today, things that will carry over. We'll see how far of a reach the RDL show has if I mention some of the same things I've been mentioning on our show, on Rich's show, and see how far. Maybe a little Brooks Kepka as a uh, um, whiny bully. We'll, we'll put that out on the airways tomorrow, and we'll see how much traction that gets leading into the U.S. Open. Uh, and I'm going to talk about what I'm about to talk about right now in terms of we always open the show you know, with, uh, with a lot of the, the lifestyle, um, life's issues, things like that, the mental health piece, the, the Naomi Osaka saga in uh, Roland Garros. Uh, the French Open, one of the Grand Slam tournaments of tennis, took place over the last two weeks. Novak Djokovic won his 19th Grand Slam title. We'll get into that a little bit later. But this is about somebody who didn't even finish the tournament. This is about somebody who was... Uh, who withdrew after her first round match because of something that she had said leading into the French Open about some of the mental health issues she was dealing with and how um, speaking to the media after matches was giving her some unneeded anxiety, something that you know um, people deal with on a daily basis. Um, but those who are world champions, Grand Slam champions, um, worldly famous athletes don't necessarily talk about their mental health. Uh, they keep that close to their best and just do what's asked of them to do because of all the things that fans and media alike talk about. The amount of money that these individuals are paid, uh, the stardom, all the things that go with it. People forget the quiet times when they were just children uh, playing the sport they love, trying to become the best possible versions of themselves on the tennis court, um, not having to talk to the media, not uh, having to uh, fall apart and break into little pieces in front of the, the national stage, in front of the world. So after declining to speak at her post-match press conference after round one of the French Open, Naomi was fine by the French Open Committee, uh, $15,000. Now, the maximum is 20, I believe, and then escalating issues can come from that, that being disqualifications uh, and then removal from, from tournaments. Well, it was an asinine way to go about something when someone's dealing with a mental health crisis. I understand contractually those things are obligated, so maybe uh, they needed to go forward with it, but they could have done it with some more diplomacy and more of a conversation to be had, I think. Instead, they find her, told her if she does it again after any further matches, she will be most likely um, disqualified and find more money. 
Uh, Naomi's response was simply, hey, this is not um, this is not worthwhile for me to affect my mental health in such a negative way. Therefore, I'm going to withdraw from the, uh, the French Open and has since then withdrew from some other tournaments over the summer, possibly Wimbledon later on in uh, uh, in London. We'll see. Well, arguably the, the best tennis player in the world right now um, expressed herself, her fragility around her mental health uh, and was publicly shamed essentially for it. Uh, there was not really a lot of support on the side of her federation in terms of tennis. Now, a ton of her peers in terms of athletes and advocates, as well as some media who really took a look in the mirror and thought about some of the things that they needed to do around post-match uh, news conferences, press conferences, things like that. I thought that was very refreshing. So it was nice to see that kind of response. Why do we bring this up again? Well, the French, up, French Open concluded over the weekend. Uh, Naomi Osaka was not part of the, the conversation for the women's final. Yet, the French Open uh, committee felt it necessary to drag her name through the mud a little bit more just to prove a point. Uh, they simply said they did not get enough communication from her. They felt like what they did was the right thing, the necessary thing. They didn't even really comment around whether it was a medical issue or not. It was more about what they're contractually obligated to do. And I suppose, you know, that may be true on a human level. And that's ultimately what the French Open is. It's this amazing tournament. You watched yesterday as Novak Djokovic came back from two sets down to win his 19th Grand Slam overall. And as he was walking off the court, he gave his racket to a young boy. The reaction from the young boy, the young boy on a human level was one of the most amazing things we've seen uh, this, this year in sports because of the fans' interaction with the players once again. But the French Open Committee continues to publicly shame Naomi Osaka by saying, hey, we were right. We did what we had to do. She has to be more forthcoming with us, uh, more communicative, and, and just publicly shamed her is what, is what they did. They do not get it. They continue to try to fight something that there is no need to fight for. Um, they are going to be seen on the wrong side of history in all of this. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing. If it's, uh, uh, you know, from being from a different country and having somebody speak out so publicly, vulnerably and transparency about a medical con a condition that a lot of people don't understand and know about because it's been so stigmatized for so long. Um, it was just an opportunity for the French Open Committee around the Grand Slam to do the right thing, to commend somebody for taking a step for their medical and, and uh, mental health well-being rather than doubling down on what they did as a positive. It was a narcissistic way to go about it rather than, a, than an empathetic way to look at somebody who's given tennis fans so much hope and joy over the last few years and had some empathy around it and put themselves in her shoes and looked at it through the, her eyes, which is very rare especially when um, somebody makes that much money, is that much of a superstar. People forget that they are flawed human beings first. They just happen to be extremely good 
at playing a certain sport. I grew up in that very same way. I was mentally ill through most of my time playing in the NFL, probably most of my early adolescence, and didn't realize that um, the personality shift that I had to deal with and go through when I spoke and had to talk with the media, I became a completely different person. It was like a out of body experience. I became this version of myself that wasn't real, almost a caricature to get through it. And it was um, that of a um, egomaniac, bolsterous, uh, boisterous and um, confrontational and um, intimidating. And that's, that wasn't who I was, yet that's how I and who I became in those moments, not realizing that I was dealing with a social anxiety disorder. Because, of course, it hadn't been diagnosed. It wouldn't be diagnosed for years and years and years. Naomi clearly has been diagnosed with something, decided to, to, to be public about it because her life is very public. And instead, uh, the governing body of the tournament that she was in and asking for some relief in this process publicly shamed her once again damn the tournament um terrible job on their part um, because as we saw yesterday when novak did what he did winning his 19th championship 19th grand slam of all time and one of the best matches uh in a long time for the french open finale um really should what it should be what it's about not necessarily what he has to say after the tournament right it was the performance on the court is what did it. And if Novak felt uncomfortable stepping in front of a microphone yesterday because of something he was going through in terms of his mental health, his mental wellness, and chose not to do it, therefore, he shouldn't be penalized because of a medical issue. So as we move forward, we bring in Sky, um, Jonathan and Charlie are off today. Um, Novak's 19th title. I was at a birthday party yesterday. One of my son's friends turned four years old. And of course, you're sitting around with the other parents. And um, I was towards the end of the day, I was just going through the ESPN ticker. And, and of course, I kept track early on in the morning of, of Novak's run for, for a French Open title after taking care of Rafa in the semifinal, uh, getting a relatively unknown in the final who had never won a Grand Slam to this point. Novak looking for his 19th. He got down two sets to none and proceeded to then um, use it as a cautionary tale of not, uh, not to try to, tr you do not trifle with Novak Djokovic. <laughs> he would win 6-3, six, 6-2, six, 6-4 six, um, in the final three to win his 19th title, like I said. I mentioned it at the party. The reason I'm telling you why I was where I was at, and I mentioned that he'd come back and won. And the three people sitting around the table gave some of those like disgusting, um, you know, under their breath. Remember, oh, God, uh, he is not well liked. Right. We're looking through a history, a generational history of tennis where we've seen arguably the three best players uh, we'll ever see. And at first, when we watch Roger Federer go through it uh, with the humility and the respect, we thought, oh, he's the greatest there will ever be. And then comes along Rafa Nadal, who kind of starts to take down Federer in a lot of, you know, head-to-head -head matchups. And then you go, oh, Rafa's the best that they'll ever be. He's got 20 Grand Slams, 
with Roger with 20. And then Novak a little bit later through the process and probably the most competitive of them all because he had to compete against everybody, Roger, Rafa, Andy Murray. Those are the titles he's winning. He won his 19th yesterday. I asked you, Sky, because I asked this question yesterday to the people I was talking to around this. Will he be ultimately the best tennis player to ever play and actually walk away a bit of the villain? I mean, people love to hate Novak. They love Rafa. They love Roger. But Novak may be ultimately the best tennis player in men's history when this is all said and done, especially when you're talking about the amount of Grand Slam wins. He's at 19. He needs one more, which he could get done this year to tie the other two. And the way he's playing, the world's number one easily could pass that and surpass them both and be the greatest tennis player to ever have played who's not really well-liked. Yeah, this is a loaded question for me because I, I take the side of the tennis conversation and Djokovic personally, and then I can't have this conversation without thinking of other sports. And I'll get into that in just a second as far as like the villain and the best ever conversation because we see it often in other sports as well. As far as tennis goes, quite literally on paper, in a matter of a couple weeks, a couple months, he could literally be the best ever on paper when he gets this 20th Grand Slam and then ultimately most likely a 21st, second, whatever it is moving forward. So on paper, literally, yes, he will most likely be the best male player ever in tennis. Um, he is also the first man since the Open era in 1968 to win all four majors Um or all four uh, majors uh, twice. So he's been absolutely dominant. And I was just reading before we came on here, his last two matches, Ryan, each one of them was four hours and 11 minutes per match. Each one of these was four hours and 11 minutes. So his dominance is is uh, bar none. And look, Roger Federer was incredible when I was a kid. Rafa Nadal came right behind him. You know, and back back in the day, you know, when I was a, a lot younger, uh, it was Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi as well, right? I mean, I feel like we... We always have this. Uh, Yevgeny Kafelnikov was dominant for a long time as well in tennis. We you just wanted these, to say that name. I get it. I've actually, it's funny. I was a big fan of his growing up. My quick side note my best friend growing up, his brother is a big time tennis player. And I knew nothing about tennis outside of when I went to their house to play and have sleepovers. They would watch tennis nonstop and play the game a little bit. So, yes, Yevgeny Kafelnikov, look it up. Um, I, I did want to kind of merge this into sports, though, a little bit. And I'll think of football off the top. So you have like the earlier days, right? You have Terry Bradshaw winning the four Super Bowls with the Steelers, morphed into Joe Montana. Like that couldn't be done. Then Joe Montana comes in and and takes it over. Obviously, Dan Marino didn't win his Super Bowls, but he was the best quarterback of his era and doing things that nobody had seen done. Then Peyton Manning shows up. Then uh, Tom Brady shows up. Then you have Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers now in the conversation. So yeah, baseball or basketball as well. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Who's next? I feel like. Yes, Djokovic will be the best. There's not a next. Ever. There's not a next men's player though. Not yet. Not there's yet. Not a mean, next, not, even during the span, you had guys coming up the ladder, like winning a couple majors along the way. To to, to no one is even close to hmm. Novak right now in terms of grandson. No one is even touching the cylinder of of what that's going to look like. It it, it yeah. hasn't. This is this is strange. These three have dominated for the last two decades of tennis, but there was always somebody. To your point that was nipping at the heels that when the other guy started to trend down just a yeah. little bit, the next one kind of stepped forward. And there isn't one in men's tennis right now. Could, could you, um, Ryan, that, and that's a, that's a great point. Um, could you uh, liken that to maybe what we've seen in golf 
and Jack Nicholas was in a league of his own forever. And then years and decades go by. Then we have Tiger Woods. And well, I think, as I of think, right now, there are people playing, but nobody's close to Tiger currently. Um, is that maybe a similar gap that, again, right now it could happen, but in 20 years, maybe we have the new Djokovic that comes up uh, in tennis. It just seems to always kind of revolve, and there's somebody chasing at all times um, these incredible benchmarks. Well, there has been. Like, to your point, you named up a bunch of people, but there just there just isn't anybody right now in men's tennis. I mean, Novak is, is just dominated in it to a point right now where um, – we haven't seen that baton passed in any way, shape, or form. Nicholas kind of passed it to Tom Watson a little bit. Watson to Faldo and uh, Greg Norman. Those two on to Tiger Woods, essentially. Um, but you're right. I don't really see anybody uh, on the golfing side of things. There's some very, very good players, but there's just a ton of uh, parity in men's golf right now where anybody could really win a major at any time, the U.S. Open starts this week we'll talk about it a little bit more on wednesday but you know it's 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 interesting it's interesting to hear that the bigger question for me on on all of this is is he's going to ultimately be the greatest tennis player to have ever played and he's going to be the least liked because Ryan. of his his behavior uh some of his on-court antics i don't really have too much of a problem with him i love yeah. his competitive nature but he is i mean it's a it's a constant response for people um, Ryan, before we move on, Eric Davidson, uh, shouts out to Eric coming in. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, it's, it, he brings up your point right here. I, I really don't know why I can't stand the guy. So it literally doesn't have a reason, but he can't stand the guy. But I have to say he'll go down as the greatest of all time. Question before we move on here, Ryan, can you think of a more polarizing player? I think of LeBron James right off the top. Kobe had to fill Michael Jordan's shoes. LeBron had to fill both of their shoes. And there's much more LeBron haters than LeBron fans. And what he has done over the last 20 years has been phenomenal. You don't think I don't so? Think that, I don't think that's – I think that is a silent a silent minority. There's a silent majority so. around LeBron. I, I feel different. Yeah. I think but, uh, just, I'm just, just with the rounds I've made, working at ESPN, working for SiriusXM, there are more people who, who believe LeBron James is an unbelievable talent and uh, – and star now, is, that a, is that a media thing or a fans thing? Because I think those are different conversations. People I think it's both. I think it's head. both. I've had I've okay. had fans call into the shows, um, and it's been is it's been heavily lopsided in terms of LeBron James. Okay, uh, in in favorite uh, than it. I, I think I that's that way. True. I think he's amazing. I just I hear a lot of. So do I. Can you th- can I think you think he's... of another? Can you think of another player, Ryan, that maybe has uh, in the in the conversation of their respective sport? in the greatest of all time conversation, which you can always dissect those people, but maybe is just not the fan favorite or, or won't go down with the legacy of great person. Everyone roots for him and they're the best. Is there anyone else you can think of? Usually when you're talking about the greatest of all time, there's, there's a, a high likability factor um, uh, in terms of, of who they are. I mean, um, you, when you get to that point at the end of your career and you're considered greatest, one of the greatest of all time, I mean, hell, Kobe Bryant uh, withstood uh, a rape charge and uh, civil conviction uh, on that to come out the other side uh, and and be thoroughly loved for not only his contribution to basketball, but his contribution to women's basketball uh, uh, post-career and, and what he did off the basketball court. And that's, that's saying something because um, that's a uh, heinous crime he was uh, – he was con- convicted of civilly and and uh, uh, accused of. So 
if you are good enough at what you do at the end of it all, uh, and you're considered greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all time, it's usually, you're usually well-liked. I'll have to really think about what that looks like. This could be one of the first where Novak is maybe the best to ever played men's tennis and it would finish, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh in terms of likability, in terms of the greatest of all time conversation that we've talked about the last few years. So, right. All right. Greatest of all time. Sunfair. That that shit is good. Today, turkey bacon burger was for lunch this morning. A little chocolate chia pudding. Oh, it's it's a good day for Sunfair. Personalized, delivered, healthy meals. It's transformed my body. Uh, we're coming up on a year. It's been eleven months and uh, eleven months and eleven days. I've been on this. Uh, I've gone from two hundred ninety eight pounds to 235 right now as low as 225 um but i built up uh, some muscle that first picture at the bottom is from july 3rd it's been all about the food go to sunfair.com once you get there enter your information on the page you need to select carl farrow as your sales representative then select the ryan d leaf show about where you heard about it if you are in the los angeles and phoenix area you can order it now have your food delivered to you healthy personalized meals delivered to your doorstep every morning. Try it out now, sunfair.com as soon as you can. All right, after that discussion, we head on back to the NBA playoffs. We'll start here, we'll start here. Question of the day, everybody. Who has more wins in 2021, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa? Now, I don't like doing this because I don't believe wins are a quarterback stat. You don't associate wins with the right guard in his career, right, in his starts. So it shouldn't be around the quarterback. Unfortunately, it has become one. Uh, you look at it, I think back to the, I think back to what my career record wins and loss was. Not that I played 21 games and started 21 games in the, in the NFL. I look at how many I won and how many I lost just because that's become an unofficial stat. Here we are um, enabling the behavior who wins more games in uh, 2021, <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert, the two guys drafted after Joe Burrow? I think Joe Burrow's, uh, you know, sometimes given a pass here because of his injury. But if you look at some of the stats in comparison to what Justin was doing a year ago, Justin was far and away the rookie of the year. Would have been if the entire season had gone on. And has a real shot to be the best quarterback in last year's draft, even though Joe Burrow is special. Unfortunately, he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see. We'll get to the. We'll get to your answers at the end of the show around that question. Who has more wins in 2021, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa? All right. Now we head over to the NBA playoffs. Last night we saw something that, or yesterday we saw something that we didn't expect, and then we saw something that we saw coming. The Phoenix Suns. Suns in four. Oh, All right. Man. If you can knock oh, somebody man. out, if you're going to knock some guys out, make sure you just throw up the four, everybody, Oof. all right? Um, the Suns look pretty darn unbeatable. Yeah. The Clippers came back and won a must-win game three. They started 0-2 last, last series, started 0-2 this series. Um, but the Phoenix Suns, who are going to get a lengthy rest here, because I do expect that Clippers-Jazz uh, uh, series to go seven games. If that's the mm -hmm. case, I don't know if that's good for the Phoenix Suns to be off that long, or or will it be good 
to be off that long and let their bodies heal up and get ready for these final two series they could play be playing in the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. Yeah. Who will they face? Well, everybody thought it was the Nets. Easy peasy, right? Up 2-0 with complete domination of the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, they go to Milwaukee. You know, they show some backbone. Um, Giannis figures out a way to get it done. They win one, steal one, but then the Nets, Nets in five. Well, already out because of a hamstring injury is James Harden, right? Mm-hmm. Seemingly impactful, but Kyrie and KD still really dominant with the additional pieces alongside him capable of getting through this and getting to the finals. No, Milwaukee does something unbelievable yesterday. First off, they get Kyrie Irving to exit the game with a terrible ankle injury. And then they go on and dominate uh, defensively and hold a Nets team to what, 82 points or something like that? Mm -hmm. I mean, exceptionally low number. And they tie up the series to the two. Atlanta wins the first game, has lost the preceding next two to Philadelphia. That one seems to be a little bit back and forth matchup. Hey, right now, if you had to pick who your world champions were going to be, I mean, how do you not pick the Phoenix Suns after what we've seen so far in the playoffs? How insane is that to say? I mean, a year later, it's like after a decade of the Suns being the worst team in basketball, um, it's like saying this year that like, I don't know, the Jags and, uh, you know, uh, you're going to take, you're going to take the Jags to, Win the at least be in the playoffs and then make a run for the Super Bowl is what we're talking about <laughs> this year. And with the first overall pick, you know, or Houston, some franchise that's just in disarray, gonna make a run for it next year and the year after. It's just unbelievable. What Chris Paul's been able to do, I don't want to say resurrect his career. I don't I don't know that it's that drastic, but to frankly not be able to get over the hump for a number of years uh with a number of teams and good he's been in the playoffs almost annually but not able to get over the hump and get him and Devin Booker, who is, I think, not quietly anymore, but leading up to the playoffs with all these other young stars in the NBA. Devin Booker, in my opinion, has been kind of brushed under the rug. Uh, No longer, because he's ultimately the last one left outside of Trey Young. Um, And he's just – and Devin Mitchell. But absolutely on fire. I mean, just incredible player. And the Suns – I I think you're right, Ryan – I mean the Jazz. The Jazz are a good team. They're solid. If Devin Mitchell stays hot, like they're going to beat the Clippers, I think, and move on and play the Suns, and that's going to be an incredible series in the West. In the East, though, if they don't have Harden and they don't have Kyrie Irving, I don't see Mike James and Kevin Durant. I don't see them beating Giannis and Middleton. I mean that that they're just they're not going to be able to get that done if they don't win in Brooklyn. Um, in game five, it's over, in my opinion. Uh, if they go back to Milwaukee with a chance to win it, I think they will. If Kyrie and, and Harden are out for any significant time, it's toast, unfortunately, because we've seen this with Steph Curry, one of the best players in the game, best shooter of all time, whatever. Scores 50 points, 40 points a, a game for the Warriors. You double, triple cover him. The 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 Memphis Grizzlies took him out, essentially, and the rest of the team couldn't beat him. And if you do that with KD, he drops 50 points. Doesn't matter. The whole team scores 80, they're going to lose. So that's really challenging for the Brooklyn Nets at this point, who were the favorite, you're right, Ryan, coming into playoffs. The other side, I think Philadelphia finally uh, has cleaned up a little bit. Embiid was banged up. He seems to be all right. And Trey Young's a special story. The Hawks have been a lot of fun. Um, but they're in trouble. It's only 2-1 to one now, 
But if they don't win in Atlanta in this next game here to even it up, uh, I think Philadelphia is going to make light work of that and probably going to uh, wait a um, couple of days off. To your point about the Suns, if I'm a player, especially this time of year, in every sport, when you get to the playoffs, everybody's beat up, some more than others, obviously. It's a long season. Your bodies are tired, whatever. Yes, they might get a little lethargic. We've seen that happen to, to pro teams. But having seven to ten days off, potentially, if that other series goes to uh, seven games, that can only be a win for the Suns, who are playing extremely hot. So you don't really want to cool that fire too much. But to get healthy and come in on a team who's coming off of a hard-fought seven-game, six-game series – to then come in fresh and healthy, that that's got to be a win for the Suns. Yeah, they look they look exceptionally good. Chris Paul looks like the MVP of the league. He made he made the right now. The I rainy, agree. He made the reigning MVP uh, look frustrated and uh, meek in that playoff series that they dominated and swept in four games. So I'm looking forward to what we have next uh, from all those teams. Uh, I'm going to get. We're going to have, I think we're going to have Charles Barkley on the show tomorrow on the Rich Eisen show to talk, uh, talk the NBA playoffs. What would be great? What I would love? I would love to see a Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, um, I'd love to see a finals where you had two teams who had never won a title before. So you were guaranteed a franchise winning their first title ever. If the 76ers get there, ultimately uh, having, won, having won it in, you know, 28 years, I would, you know, I'd be okay with that since Julius Irving and uh, Moses Malone and that crew were in Philadelphia. That would be cool. But how, what a what a run if if the Phoenix Suns can find a way to win a, a title. I usually do a a radio show in Phoenix on Fridays. Nice. Uh, every every Friday, it has been put on hold for the last three weeks and will be for the foreseeable future because no one wants to hear old football. Smacking, talking, <laughs> Ryan Leaf when the Phoenix Suns yeah. are just rolling, oh. rolling through the Valley of the Sun. There, rolling. They are, uh, they are doing some celebrating. Probably drinking uh, as much as they can, and hopefully drinking some Athletic Brew. Everybody, all right? Athletic Brew, non-alcoholic beer. Um, that is a uh, um, less filling, great taste. Brew without compromise. Shop now, everybody. Athleticbrewing.com. There, you can go and get your first order of two six-packs delivered for 10% off when you comment about hearing it on the RDL show. Athleticbrewing.com, non-alcoholic beer uh, for you to celebrate without any of the consequences. Great taste. Try it now. All righty. Moving on to the NFL, all right? Uh, even though we are in the dead of the offseason, many camps are amongst us. They really fire up this week and last week. We're learning more. Question of the day, who has more wins in 2021, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa? We'll get to your answers at the end of the show. Speaking of quarterbacks, we're looking into the New England situation. Cam Newton had a little setback with a little bit of an injury, but he was back on the field. Though Stidham, Hoyer, and Mac Jones got most of the reps, which is great, which I think is important. We know what Cam Newton can do. Uh, he has to improve from what he did a year ago, but it's not about Cam Newton this offseason. It's yeah. about finding who your backup's going to be because I don't believe it's going to be Mac Jones this year. I think Mac's going to be the guy that's going to sit, learn, understand everything that's going on. So you have to decide whether it's going to be Stidham or Hoyer. And I think bringing in Hoyer told everybody that Stidham hadn't done enough to put himself in a position to be the capable backup or fight for that starting job. 
those two will be the most competitive this fall uh, leading into camp. And one of them ultimately will be asked to leave as Mac Jones will be the third string guy for the year unless some, you know, unless some injuries really take hold of this football team. But they need somebody who's capable of backing up Cam because Cam, who essentially uh, has turned into more of a running quarterback later in his career, um, which it should be the other way around, has taken quite a beating. And last year got beat up quite a bit, was in and out of the lineup most of the year and did not finish on the best note. Your thoughts on what the quarterback situation in New England is going to look like and how it's playing out? Well, it's uh, – I have no idea, <laughs> like I think a lot of us here. I mean, it really is just wide open. Um, Cam is the starter, assuming he's healthy. Another year off of his shoulder surgery. He came in last year in June. So basically he joined the team this time last year with about two and a half months to learn the playbook, learn the, learn the team, get to know his non-weapons. Then Julian Edelman goes down. Cam gets COVID himself. He misses more time. They don't really have many weapons. They have the Tom Brady – you know, effect with him leaving and half their defense was out last year for the Patriots who opted out of COVID as well. So it was a very strange season for Cam to join New England. And obviously he didn't play well on top of that. So him coming back, I think he'll be a much better player this year, all considered. That being said, you're right. I mean, they've been kind of sitting on Jared Stidham for a few years. They did this with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy finally leaves town and he's been very successful in San Francisco when he's been able to play. So maybe Jared Stidham's just been kind of waiting to to be a second round pick for somebody else for Bill this whole time. Brian Hoyer, who's been on the team seemingly four or five times, um, is back on the squad. So they know that he's reliable if anything hits the fan. And then of course you have Mac Jones, first round pick, but are they willing to throw him into the fire right now? Or do they want to, yeah, do they want to get the veterans out there and basically they're weight cam out either performance or injury wise but then the question is going to be do they throw the rookie in there or do they just sit him for a year right They're now he's wearing, a, he's wearing a linebacker number at practice so you know kind of the, the humbling nature of, of the Patriots and Bill Belichick I mean I don't see him playing either sometime soon but in this day and age Ryan where and we've talked about this a lot with on this show about quarterbacks getting drafted early and basically getting thrown in the fire because they have to um with Mac Jones, he doesn't have to. They have two no. other guys if Cam goes down. So in this situation, if you're Belichick or McDaniels or whatever, do you think there's an open dialogue in-house, which is kind of like, hey, man, unless we get in real trouble? No, no I, I think that – Or that, is it competition giving no, him the idea that he might win out? Like, how's that going? No, no. It, it's, it's, I think it's been told what, what this season's going to look like for Mac Jones. Uh, and – if there's any coach out there that will stick with his guns and do exactly what he needs to do in terms of development and building a roster down the stretch to, to be great again, um, it's Bill Belichick. So I think that's been discussed in house. I think that's a reason why they went out and signed Brian Hoyer once again. Otherwise they don't do that. Otherwise they just, they, they let him compete against Stidham and because Mac's going to be the backup, right? But Mac's not going to be the backup this year. In fact, Mac may not dress similarly to what Jordan Love did a year ago. You know, um, I think that you've seen the best play uh, from a quarterback that sat behind a veteran and learned his rookie year who was drafted in the top 10, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Now, Josh Allen has come along, but you look at the other quarterbacks that were drafted in those drafts, it's been a struggle. Some are no longer even on the same teams that they started with. Baker Mayfield still 
a work in progress in a lot of people's eyes, not mine. I think he has definitely uh, shown himself to be the leader of that team and a quarterback in this league, but uh, he was not given an extension. His fifth year option was picked up, but uh, you know, we'll see what that, what that ultimately looks like. Quarterback position is, is the most talked about position every year this off season, even more because as we step forward one more step, we look at the, the Green Bay Packers once again. And this isn't necessarily a Aaron Rodgers conversation, though we could sit and have that conversation all up and down again. again. For, yeah. The Packers sign a, a fifth quarterback on the roster. Um, you sent me his name. I'm trying to think where he is from. I can't remember, but they can they continue to, they continue to add arms for camp. Now, people always talked about what that looked like um when a, a quarterback is signed and i always had to uh, tell them and reassure them like a lot of times some quarterbacks they, they they build this hope for these these kids right they they get a chance to come to camp what they don't realize is that they're essentially a camp arm they're capable enough of getting uh, balls to wide receivers to get them touches to get them catches to get them without taxing uh, the guys that are going to be on the roster's arms. They get enough throws because you throw so darn much in camp. And unfortunately, the Green Bay Packers are exhibiting this right now. They've had a fifth quarterback. Aaron Rodgers most likely is not going to be at the start of training camp. We'll see how long his bluff lasts. Um, I really do believe he's going to be the first to blink in this, in this scenario. doesn't help that the front office is making asinine comments about complicated fellows and and a bunch of bullshit like that. They're not helping their cause at all. <laughs> Ironically enough, by the actions of, uh, of the Green Bay Packers, and maybe they're just peeved by the, the behavior of Aaron Rodgers, but you know, it doesn't seemingly feel like they would be incredibly disappointed if Aaron Rodgers was not the quarterback this year. Yeah. Though, though if the team starts to lose and Jordan Love isn't the answer, they're going to be quickly... Uh, in a situation where they're like, you know, you know, we want, we want that, that situation back again. If, if it's, if there's anybody who's watched our show over the last, you know, two months since the draft, um, you'll be uh, quick to understand that. I think clearly that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback for the green Bay Packers when the season actually starts uh, green Bay holds all the cards Aaron Rodgers has just too much to lose. He has a, a, a legacy that he has built um, that he could lose. He has a bunch of money that he would have to return and give back as well as a as well as forfeit a huge salary this year. There's just a lot um, that Aaron Rodgers has no control over, though he is tr trying to control it right now. Ultimately, I think he gets back. He's a starting quarterback. The Green Bay Packers are the best chance for him to win a, a Super Bowl. Uh, I think it would be incredibly powerful for him to um, find his way back to the Super Bowl somehow to try to win another championship in the face of Ryan Gutenkutz, though Ryan would definitely walk away with the Super Bowl ring, so it would end up being a win-win. I think, I think Aaron wants to win a championship and somehow, shape or form, uh, you know, not allow Ryan to be a part of that conversation. <laughs> I think that's ultimately more about what this is about than anything else.
Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think uh, Aaron Rodgers ultimately does play. And Ryan, you've mentioned multiple times on the show. The only person we haven't heard talk about this is Aaron Rodgers himself. So until we hear the source say something, I'm going to keep, you know, my mind open either way and prep. You guys know I'm a big fantasy football guy, which I won't get into, but having to prep for having to prep the team and everything else with with and without Rodgers in fantasy football is a big deal. So I'm keeping my mind open. Um, I want to give a, a scouting report quickly here, uh, Ryan, on your buddy uh, Jake Dolgala, Central yeah. Connecticut, Central Connecticut. Signed up with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals in 19, joined the Patriots in 20. Now with the Packers. Also, fun fact, a fellow 6'7er. Too tall. There you go. Yeah. Too tall. Good for him. Uh, good for him. Hope he gets a shot. He's up against some pretty good quarterback play there. Jordan Love, uh, Blake Bortles, um, Aaron Rodgers. Who are the other two, you know? It's a good question. Not off top. Um. Well, you just mentioned one of them from Central Connecticut, yep. but then there's a there's another guy on the roster. I don't know quite know who that is. All right. Um, again, question of the day: Who has more wins in 2021? Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa? We'll get to that here uh, momentarily at the end. Um, but I have a I have a question for you, mm-hmm. and it's been something that's kind of been circling the drain a little bit uh, after last year's. Uh, you know, embarrassing loss by the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, a team that looked as dominant as anybody all year long. And the previous year when they won their first championship with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they needed to fix the O-line. They addressed it immediately. Now, they just lost Kyle Long with a knee situation. Mm -hmm. He came back after a retirement year and looked the part and looked ready to take over as a starting right guard. He's out for an extended period of time. I don't know if if it's something we can look forward to him being ready for when the season starts or whether it'll be something down the line, but it looks like they're going to have to move off of that. Maybe rookie Trey Smith from Tennessee gets a look. We'll see, but that's the issue. The offensive line, they addressed it. They seemingly put themselves in a good position. If that's the case, they are have to be the, the runner up favorite for this year's Super Bowl behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. If that's the case, who in the AFC actually becomes a challenge who is their competition this year once the season kicks off yeah it's a tough question um they did fix that offensive line though which is huge orlando brown coming over from the uh, ravens and to get tardif back who opted out last year as a doctor in canada opted out last year with covid going on so he's back as well so that'll help uh i it might be uh it might be too quick but if baker can just hold the if baker doesn't lose games and i just mean if he doesn't play you know careless with the football things like that he lets the run game win lets the offensive line win that defense has been improving in general the defensive line i think is great the linebackers are awesome and the secondary is much approved and i really believe in kevin stefanski in general the browns over the last couple years is the only team outside of the uh, buccaneers outside of a random raiders win where the chiefs didn't play that day um to come close, and Mahomes or not, the Browns should have beat him in the playoffs last year, and they didn't. So I'm going to actually throw my hat in the in the uh, in the ring with the Browns. The Ravens, I think, have a chance, but that defense has been a little bit depleted this year, and Lamar Jackson unfortunately hasn't done it in the playoffs. And I want to say the Titans, but I don't think I can believe in that defense yet either. And then Buffalo Bills, I think they're kind of a dark horse to do it, and they could do it. It's just a matter of if Josh Allen can show up that day. So. Ultimately, I think I would 
I'd put my money on the Browns, but I think the Bills have a chance as well. Interesting. It's uh, funny to hear uh, people, yourself included, starting to have faith and confidence in a Browns organization that has been uh, the doormat of the NFL for for decades. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting uh, pick, but it's a but very not viable anymore. one. It's uh, we'll see. You know, one year. I mean, they have they haven't won they haven't won one, a championship and made a run. One year doesn't mean anything to me. One no, year, but no, one no, one but, hit wonders for me mean nothing. So sure, this and, is and, this is and, this is future betting again. A team that uh, has not consistently shown up uh, when they've had an up year. Uh, they've followed up with a down year. They have not been consistent. This is what needs to be the case. Kevin Stefanski in year two, do defensive coordinators catch up? What do they do? They have great talent, the skill position players. They got better on defense. I'm with you there. They added Jadavius Clowney, um, Jadavian Clowney, sorry, uh, as a bookend with Miles Garrett. We'll see. He didn't work out last year in Tennessee as a pass rusher. Let's see if it works out in Cleveland opposite Miles Garrett. Uh, They could be really, really good. To your point, Buffalo for me is the is the team. Uh, they simply play in a division uh, that uh, they can control. The Jets are bad. New England, we don't know what we're going to get. Miami, uh, we don't know what we're going to get. Uh, they have a chance to uh, solidify themselves as the AFC East guys to win the division, put themselves in a position to rival uh, the Chiefs again. Unfortunately, the chance they did have, they looked miserable in that uh, AFC championship game. Uh, Josh Allen has been much improved. The biggest thing for them in the offseason is the fact they went into the AFC Championship. Not just because they went on and got to uh, one step away from the Super Bowl, but because they went that long, no other teams could interview Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dable then, therefore, could not get a head coaching job and is still the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, which I think has made a huge difference for Josh Allen's development and that offensive uh team moving forward. So I'm going to go with the, with the, with the bills. Uh, and I'm going to go with, um, I'm with you with the, with the Browns. They are a team that, that has a chance to, to, to be in that conversation. Um, I wonder if there's an AFC team that a lot of of people are expecting, I think is one that's going to step up and do some things this year. I think it's the Indianapolis Colts. They have been built. Mm. They have been built by Ryan Ballard. Uh, he is one at the draft picks with mid-round guys, their extension. Sometimes if you're too good at your job, guys end up being too good that are mid-round picks, uh, and therefore their extensions all come up at the same time, and you're not allowed to keep everyone. So it's almost a do-or-die situation for the Indianapolis Colts. They've added a quarterback, a younger um, veteran who we've seen play at an MVP caliber level, but needs to have that resurrected. He did under this head coach previously. Uh, who was when he was his offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in Philadelphia. We'll see if that translates. They have the offensive weapons at the running back position, the wide receiver position. The offensive line is great. Defensively, they are very good. That's a team that I think can ultimately step up and make some noise in the AFC. I like that call. All right. Um, Speaking of making noise, um, Let's shake up some Bomb Banana, everybody. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Bomb Banana is a hot sauce that um, we endorse here on the RDL show. Uh, It is made from bananas. Bananas based, not banana flavored. Big difference, everybody, all right? 
Uh, it's made from real bananas. There are two versions. Uh, one uh, in a white label bottle is less, is more mild hot sauce. And then there's the Mui Mui. It's a red labeled bottle uh, of bomb banana. Do we have those uh, to throw up on the screen there so everybody can see, Sky? Sure um, bomb banana. There we go. There's a white bottle, the Mui Mui, a little more hot sauce there on your right um, or on my right. And um, go. so I want you to go to uh, seekthespice.com. When you get to seekthespice.com, all one word, today you can receive 10% off your first order by using the promo code LEAF. That's L-E-A-F at checkout. Bomb banana hot sauce, everybody. Come check it out. All right. Uh, before we get into the question of the day, which of course was who has more wins in 2021, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa, I wanted to mention a little bit about the NHL. We don't talk about hockey that much on the show. And the only reason I have a little uh, interest in this is because the New York Islanders are a team or, or maybe the little engine that could is what's <laughs> going on right now. Okay. Semifinals, Vegas Knights versus the Montreal Canadiens. And then you have the New York Islanders versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning seemingly are the better team in all this. Defending but sure champs. enough, the defending champs, the New York Islanders, go to Tampa last night and upset them on the road. Again, my friend Kevin Connolly, friend of the show, just had a little baby girl about a week ago, two weeks ago. And I told him, I said, this is all she's going to know. She's, you know. she's already being influenced to be an Islanders fan because you are. But all of a sudden in her life, they're going to be Stanley Cup champions. And that's going to be like, that's all you know. It's a crazy good story. I don't know if they can maintain it. You know, hockey uh, series can shift on a dime depending on hot goalies or whatnot. But uh, it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch through Kevin's eyes because I have, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. They have not been good. They've been out of the first round in the last three years. I think Sidney Crosby is slowly uh, as one of the greatest players to ever play who didn't win as many championships as people thought he was going to. Um, the Islanders are doing something that's really interesting. So it's been kind of fun to watch it through other people's eyes. I don't know uh, how incredibly interested I am, but I just wanted to throw a little, um, you know, good spirited story around hockey in there before we get it. on to the question of the day. I love it. And I'll just, I'll just uh, add in here that again, it's a little bit of this dark horse, you know, and, the the nature of the team, I think, is fun. I, I think of back again. I grew up in the Bay Area, and when the A's won twenty plus games in a row, and they were on this incredible win streak, um, the whole the Moneyball movie is about this. Basically, if you haven't seen it, anyway, um, the nature of that team was hard to root against. They're like a bunch of blue collar guys, kind of a button down nature in an otherwise suit and tie, you know, professional setting. Uh, the guy had mohawk and just kind of like loosey-goosey and having that kind of energy is is fun to root for right they're, they're kind of the they're as close to the everyday person as we can get to relate to professional athletes when they act like that and um it's fun to see them being successful and again going up against the defending championship stealing the first game is huge we know we just talked about this in the nba it's a long series this could flip overnight maybe it's for none but this is a lot of fun so far and uh the islanders for the second year in a row are are uh, in in you know the semifinals and couldn't get past it last year. Let's see if they can do it this year. Yeah, looking forward to how this plays out. This is a fun time of the year when the NBA finals and the NHA fi NHL finals overlap. Makes it for a fun finish to the final uh, uh, before Major League Baseball enters into the fall as well mm -hmm. as NFL and college football. So 
All right, let's get to our question and answer portion of it. We did not have a lot of interaction from our fans today in terms of this question, but we can look in terms of what this looks like. Who has more wins in 2021? Is it Justin Herbert, who was taken sixth overall last year, or Tua Tagovailoa, who was taken fifth, but considered to be much better uh, and an easier decision by the Miami Dolphins at that spot? I want to pull up their schedules for next year. I think this would probably be the best way to kind of yep. go about doing it. I'm going to go with the Chargers first um, in terms of schedule next year. Their preseason games, they have uh, they can stay in their home stadium with the Rams. They get to deal with the 49ers and the Seahawks before they head to the regular season. All right. Well, they're gonna the AFC West takes on the NFC East next year, uh, a, a division that got a playoff team in with seven wins. They go to Washington to start the year. Chargers right now are a one point favorite in that game. Uh, therefore, really makes me believe they are uh, a favorite. Usually, the home team has a three point situation they then host the cowboys they go to the chiefs they host the raiders they host the browns they go to the ravens they host the patriots they travel all the way across the country uh for a second time to play the uh, the eagles i always look at those things yeah they host the vikings they host the steelers they go to the broncos they go to the Bengals. they're home against the giants they battle the chiefs for the second time they go to houston they get the Broncos and the Raiders. Now, uh, with what we saw a year ago from Justin Herbert, I would expect good things, uh, if not great things. My only hesitation, of course, is their choice to replace the offensive coordinator. Uh, they, de- they decided to fire Anthony Lynn and move on to a new head coach, and that means add a new offensive coordinator. So that means Justin Herbert, in year two, has to learn a whole other offense that he excelled in a year ago. 4,000 plus yards, 30 plus touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, He is used to it. He went through a lot of that at the University of Oregon. It was a big reason why I don't think we saw the best of him during his time there and was maligned heading into the draft, not considered one of the higher of the three picks that people were talking about, though he may end up being the best of them all. You want to do what's best for your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, the guy that got you rookie of the year. Going out and starting and transferring to a whole new offense seems counterproductive to where they were going. That in mind makes me think that they're going to struggle a bit and he's going to have a bit of a sophomore slump. Not that they won't ultimately be great and won't be good down the stretch uh, in years to come with Justin Herbert. I just think learning a whole new offense with a new head coach in a very difficult division, uh, they're going to struggle a bit and ultimately. Tua and the Miami Dolphins um, have a better year. Um, the Dolphins, of course, uh, play in the AFC East. They start off the season with both of those games. They At the Patriots, um, where New England is a favorite, uh, they host the Bills. They go to the Raiders. Uh, they host the Colts. Then at the Buccaneers. Boy, those are, those are two games that we're going to find out a lot about Tua and this team, right? The Colts come to town, and then Miami – heads up north to the panhandle to take on the Buccaneers, the defending world champions, all right? Dolphins take on the Jaguars, the Falcons, at the Bills, Texans, Ravens, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Titans, and they finish off with the Patriots. Defensively, I think they're much much better um, 
and that's hard to imagine after a team that, that did well this year, those first five games are going to let me know whether Tua is the starting quarterback the rest of the year or if Jacoby Brissett is going to take this team home to manage because we're going to find out a lot in those first five games about Tua Tungavailoa. Ultimately, I think he loses his job, but I think, uh, um, uh, you know, until that time happens, um, you got to give, you got to give the, you got to lean in the direction of Justin Herbert, no matter what it looks like next year, whether it's a sophomore slump or not. I think he wins more games as a starting quarterback because I think he just has more opportunities to start because I don't know if Tua makes it past week five. I agree. Um, I did a little a win, wins and losses over here, and I kind of have a, a tale of two seasons for her, at least. Um, starting starting off with, you know, in division. So, I mean, they're going to do this every year. But he goes, again, East Coast opening day. East Coast in Washington. I know they're the favorite, but that's a tough game. Great young defense. We'll see what they bring. Um, great first game there. Dallas, Dak back, and then Kansas City. So, And then the Raiders are kind of, you know, the Raiders are always kind of a, a – you know, who knows what you're going to get there. And then they got the Browns and the Ravens back to back. So those first six games, I only see the Raiders as a real, like, should win the game. The rest of them are going to be coin flips. At the end of the season, though, for Herbert, if they're in the playoff race or anything, got the Giants, hit or miss. Then you have the Chiefs, but then you have Houston, Denver Broncos, and the Raiders to end it out. So that looks promising for Justin Herbert. And then it's kind of the opposite for um, Tua starting off a little bit easier, finishing a little bit tougher. Ultimately, um, I think they're both going to be about 10 and 7, to be honest with you. And I, my biggest concern is, like, can Tua take the leap in the year two? Last year he was beat up. They had Fitzpatrick, yes or no. Um, and they have new coaching there and then uh, with the Chargers. So a little bit confused. But I think they're both going to be about 2 and 7. I don't want to cop out here, so I'll just uh, take my take the homer pick and go with my boy Herb's. All right, there you go, fellas. Justin Herbert's going to win more games in 2021 with a stat that doesn't exist. That's the RDL show. We, <laughs> we pander to everybody when, when we need to. We'll be back on Wednesday uh, to cover uh, all the mini camps that are going on, all things the NFL, all things NBA. I will be on the Rich Eisen show tomorrow from 9 to noon Pacific to catch, catch you up on everything that we pretty much talked about today. Of course, we'll get into a little bit more tomorrow as well on Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us uh, from Sky and Ryan here at the RDL Show. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.